whenever my daughter has one of her good friends over who has a nut allergy, I always reach for made good snacks. As a matter of fact, that's how we discovered them. I was looking for something that was nut-free, also dairy-free, and turns out they're fantastic. And so we get them whether her friend with the allergies comes over or not. Made good snacks are baked with good intentions like organic ingredients, whole grains, and hidden veggies. They're free from common allergens such as peanuts and dairy. They are packed with nutrition and awesome taste. Granola bars, mini bites, Rice Krispie squares, cookies, and more. Grab some today and pack them in your kids' school lunch or in your purse. Learn more at madegoodfoods.com. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis, and we have quite a surprise for you this January and February 2020. We are doing Thursday Throwback Celebrity Edition here on Naturally Savvy. We are adding a second show per week. Yes, a second show. So we will have interviews, new interviews on Tuesdays and Throwback Thursday Celebrity Edition interviews on, you guessed it, Thursdays. So we are super excited to be bringing back these wonderful celebrities. We have got Alan Arkin, Jennifer Esposito, Suzanne Summers, Carol Alt, Marianne Williamson, and Kelly LeBrock. So stay tuned and you will get to hear one of these great people for the next two months here on Naturally Savvy. Please rate, review, subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at Lisa Davis MPH and at Andrea Donsky. Also, don't forget at Naturally Savvy and at your Radio MD. She's not here to judge. She's here to report the honest news on healthy living. She's Andrea Donsky, along with Lisa Davis. It's time for Naturally Savvy. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis with Andrea Donsky. And in 1995, I lost my mother to ovarian cancer. And then six months later, my beloved grandfather passed away. And then a few months after that, a seven-year relationship ended. And I just felt like... It was one thing after the other. And, and I, I felt like I really needed to get in touch with that grief. But it's so hard in our society because people make it really difficult. Don't you think, Andrea, to really feel that suffering and to really move through it? It's so difficult. Uh-huh. It really is. So I want to bring in the wonderful Marianne Williamson. We are beyond thrilled to have her on the program. We're going to be talking about her new book, Tears to Triumph, The Spiritual Journey from Suffering to Enlightenment. I tell you, Marianne, this book would have been very handy back then, and it still is. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it's really great to have you on. Your book is so interesting, and I think it is such a testament to feeling what our feeling, looking deeper within ourselves and letting ourselves feel sad without feeling like we need a Band-Aid. Expand on this for us, Marianne. Well, you know, when you were just mentioning losing your mother and losing your grandfather and then losing a, a seven-year relationship, that is epic. And no one should expect to come out the other side of those kinds of experiences, particularly all bundled together the way they were, the same person you were before they happened. That's life. The issue is, you know, as they say, you know, will you be better or will you be better? Will you be weakened or will you be strengthened? There's no way that you could come out of those experiences, any one of them alone, by the way, but certainly, you know, from the death of your mother and the death of a seven-year relationship, for sure. either of those, but certainly if those kinds of things uh, happen uh, together, you stare into the abyss 
But staring into the abyss is, in one way or the other, a part of life. None of the things you mentioned, as epic as they are, none of them are outside the context of normal human occurrences. And because of that, there is a spectrum of normal human despair. The death of our parents, the death of people we love, the death of relationships, bitter divorces. There's also professional loss. There's uh, financial loss. I mean, these things are part of life. And there has occurred in the last few years an aversion. And if we do not allow ourselves to learn how to navigate these very painful, turbulent times of life, we end up not knowing how to navigate life itself. And as painful as these times are, and I'm sure that this was your experience, as painful as these times are, and as much as they do change us, some of the changes we go through are not necessarily for the worse, and sometimes they're for mm-hmm. the better. They're the ways we grow up, aren't they? They're the ways we, we become very clear about what's important in life. A relationship mm-hmm. breaks up, and we are ultimately forced to look at our part in, in, in the, whatever disaster might have occurred. You know, Who will we choose to be next time in a relationship? When people we love died, this is how we learn, you know, viscerally that life does not go on forever, not on this plane. So mm-hmm. I wanted to write a book about our having a conversation about these dark times without labeling. You know, we've, we've begun to medicalize normal human despair. We see things as a disorder that are not a disorder. It's, there's nothing dysfunctional about crying when something is very, very sad. What's dysfunctional is short-circuiting our suffering that inevitably arises when, when life is deeply disturbing or painful. That happens. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I recently lost my grandfather a couple of weeks ago, and I, you know, and I just got this book, and it was very good timing on that part. And I, when I was reading it, one of the a couple lines in the book really, you know, resonated with me. You know, when you said the depth of my suffering depends to a large degree a large degree on how I interpret the experience. A period of mourning with all of its wailing, its tears and its suffering isn't necessarily the sign of a problem. It's simply the sign of love. And when I read that, I was like, wow, that is so profound. And I thought that was incredible that you wrote that in the book. So and I think people who are reading it, it just allows people to be where they're at. It allows them to mourn. It allows them to, to really get through it. I think that that really is the issue. Permission. When I was younger, when I was a child, I was a young woman, this society gave much more permission just culturally. It was understood if somebody lost their uh, uh, an immediate family member to death, it was kind of just the prevailing attitude that it would take a year before they were really themselves again. A year. Now we talk about it like, you know, if it's three months out and you're still crying, well, you're not handling it well. Maybe you need treatment. Maybe you should be on something. And it's particularly Mm -hmm. ironic, given the fact that we're always going on and on about what a genius the body is. Well, if the body is Mm -hmm. such a genius, why are we doubting uh, our tears? And if you have 45 tears to cry, who's to say that crying 25 is somehow you've, you've crossed the line beyond normal? Who's to say what's normal? And the psyche has its own... Uh, immune system, just like the body does. It knows how to integrate injury and assault and to heal Mm -hmm. from it. But we need to have as much respect for the natural processes of healing within the psyche as within the body. If your grandfather died and you loved him, then you're crying like, like you read. It's not a sign of a problem. It's a sign of how very much you loved him. 
And it's so great that you said that too, because I remember I, I said, I was one of the people who said a eulogy at the funeral and my son, who's 13, he just turned 13 on that day and he was at the funeral and I started crying during my eulogy. And afterwards he came up to me now, this is a 13 year old. And he was like, mom, I've never seen you cry like that before. You look so ugly when you were crying. Like he kind of like made a joke, right? Like to deal with his emotions. And I was yeah. like, and when I read in your book that, you know, people are living longer. So we're really not dealing with death the way we would have years ago. And I thought that was so interesting that you said that because it's so true. Well, and then, you know, if it was hundreds of years ago, children grew up with grandparents in the house. You know, there, there were not as many medicines. So right. there, death was, was less peripheral to people's lives. And even though, of course, we're happy <laughs> that science has enabled us to fight so many diseases and has enabled us to live longer, obviously we're happy about that. But at the same mm -hmm. time, the fact that we have peripheralized, have been able to peripheralize it so much materially, it, that's a good thing in and of itself, but it means that we have peripheralized it emotionally and psychologically, just keeping it at bay, even though we know it can't be kept at bay forever. And this has shriveled mm -hmm. our emotional musculature with which we learn to cope and to deal with sad times. And, you know, you don't, you, there are seasons in life. You don't, you don't get to say in, in nature, you know, I don't want winter anymore. Winter is part of it, and it will have an equal part of it, and you don't get to short-circuit it. So I yeah, think that, that, is such a good that point. the purpose of, you know, of any book is that you hope that it gives somebody some aha moment, and in that aha moment, you, like you said, that insight allows you to, among other things, give yourself permission to feel something that you want to feel but have been made to feel it's not okay to feel. Mm -hmm. You know, the other thing, Marianne, that I loved about your book as well is that you provide scripts for people. So we only have maybe a minute left, but I want to, you know, for those of you who are listening, you have to pick up Marianne's book. I mean, honest, honestly, Tears to Triumph, because the scripts that you provide allows people to read it on a daily basis it allows them to feel it it allows them to it gives them like you said that permission and i think you know having that script is so brilliant well thank you thank you so marianne where could people learn more i mean obviously you have your website marianne.com can you provide our listeners with other ways that they can purchase your book well you can go to marianne.com as you said m-a-r-i-a-n-n-e -N -N -E, or to amazon.com or to barnesandnoble.com or just head into a bookstore you know um, pretty much the usual places where books are sold. That's where you'll find it. We would love to have you back on, Marianne. It was really, I mean, thank you for taking the time to be with us, to be on with us today. And thank you for all the work that you do. I mean, we really thank admire you. you and love what you're doing to help everybody, to help the world. So, you know, you can't see thank us, you. but we're like, we're, we're like, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. We're right back at you. <laughs> thank you. I'm Andrew Donsky, along with Lisa Davis. This is Naturally Savvy Radio on Radio MD. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Your Radio MD and at Naturally Savvy. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please buy Marianne's book. It's excellent. Stay well. Whenever my daughter has one of her good friends over who has a nut allergy, I always reach for made good snacks. As a matter of fact, that's how we discovered them. I was looking for something that was nut-free, also dairy-free, and turns out 
they're fantastic. And so we get them whether her friend with the allergies comes over or not. Made Good Snacks are baked with good intentions like organic ingredients, whole grains, and hidden veggies. They're free from common allergens such as peanuts and dairy. They are packed with nutrition and awesome taste. Granola bars, mini bites, Rice Krispie squares, cookies, and more. Grab some today and pack them in your kids' school lunch or in your purse. Learn more at madegoodfoods.com.